Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, 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 I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. Thank you, Father, that our motto here is that you would never be the same. And we believe that, Father. We believe that because your word is being ministered here, Father. And it is your word, not my opinion or my... It is your word that washes our minds. It is your word, the water of the word that cleanses us. It is your word that makes us uh, uh, people of faith, Lord. It is your word, Lord, and doing your word... That helps us to build our house on the rock. We are doers of the word here, Father. We thank you for your word. Alive and breathing in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're going we're gonna to continue through the book of James. Today is James part two. We're going to cover James chapter one, verses 22 through 25 is our reference scripture for today. And then next week is, is already Palm Sunday. Isn't that awesome? So we got Palm Sunday coming up. And then after that, we'll have communion, uh, uh, Good Friday communion, uh, the Friday of Easter weekend. And then Easter Sunday morning, obviously, we'll have our Easter service. So I'll be preaching on Palm Sunday uh, a, a different message. We won't continue in James. And then uh, Easter, obviously, it's my favorite message of the entire year. It is the absolute easiest message to preach, but yet the most powerful one, yes. right? So, uh, and every year I go over it, and I chew it, and I look at what the Lord would have us say during Easter, and, and you can't, it's, it's almost like, you know, sometimes you, you think that you can make it better, <laughs> and, then, and then I look up at my wall, I got Jesus laughing at me, because you think you can make the word better? <laughs> oh, sorry for even thinking that, right? You look up, you think lightning's going to strike you down. But the word is the word. And Jesus knew that so much that when he preached, he would open the Bible, he would read from the Bible, he would shut it, and he would sit down, right? But uh, nowadays, you know, we preach. And the Bible does show us that the fivefold ministry has uh, a pastor preacher in it. And how would we know if we didn't have a preacher? How would we know what we're reading if we didn't have a preacher? So it's very important. But we're going we're gonna to leave, we're going to kind of separate ourselves from James over the next two weeks, and then we're going to pick up here again uh, in James uh, uh, the Sunday after Easter. Now, during these next weeks, we need all hands on deck. Can you say that? All hands on deck. So Friday, this coming Friday coming up is our day of picking up uh, garage sale items, clothing, furniture. Please don't bring... If it belongs in the dumpster, put it in the dumpster, right? I don't like, uh, uh, you know, if I invite somebody to eat, 
I don't make food, eat it, and then the next day heat it up when you come over to give you, no, I give you the best, right? When you have somebody over to eat, you want to you wanna make something fresh and something, uh, and you always try to give them the best. So I know that there are hand-me-downs, and I know that it's, but it's things that others can use, and uh, just make sure that, it, you know, it's something that, that you know others would use. So basically what it is, is on Saturday, so Friday we'll be here all day. Uh, so you can come and drop off your stuff. We don't have storage here. If not, we'd be picking up stuff already. But we're going to have one day where you'll be able to load your stuff up and bring it here. And then uh, we usually move these, these chairs out of the way and set up tables. And then we have stuffed hangers back there. And we have clothing bars and all that. So if you have clothes that needs to be hanged, you know, we hang it and hung. And then we hang it. And my wife would have corrected me right away. But... Um, and then we get it all ready on Friday, and then Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, we, be, we begin to bring it right out front to the parking lot out here, and we set up out there. We'll set up a tent. Uh, I think I asked this last time, uh, who has one of those 10 by 10 pop-up tents that was going to, oh, that's right, it was Pastor Curly. So uh, if you could bring that, that'll be the, and you're actually probably going to end up in it. It's going to be our, I'm going to ask him and maybe if, uh, if Dan's going to be here to be our, our prayer guys. Uh, and then they can, if anybody comes and they need prayer for something, we, you know, we offer that for free. <laughs> and everything out there is also free. So we basically give them a bag, and inside the bag is an invitation card to our Palm Sunday, which will be next Sunday, and to our Easter service and our communion service on Friday. Communion service is very short. Uh, we have some music. We'll have communion. I share a very short word, um, and it's just to do it in remembrance of him and and uh, so that'll be that Friday, and then sa- and that Sunday will be Easter. But we need help next week. So Friday all day, if you're able to come and hang out and help us receive stuff, especially in the early evening, uh, a lot of stuff gets dropped off at the same time. And uh, so start going through your stuff this week if you haven't already, and and uh, you know make sure to, to bring us uh, whatever it is that you want to give away, so uh, we can do that. And I'm going to go through my garage, and I'm going to give away everything that my children have left in there. So, uh, Erica, you might want to come over before, and Kyle, I got, yes, I have, I have a whole entire shelf of you guys' stuff. Nice stuff, too. I got karate trophies I can give away. I got, he's like a, like a five black belt, what, fifth level black belt, first, first level, first, but I always brag, you know, because he's my son-in-law, so he's like, uh, you know, I'm going to put him in the ring with Gage. <laughs> But uh, anyway, he, um, you guys have stuff in my garage. Come get it, all right? <laughs> Sorry, that was a little family moment. Where's Ricky? He went to the bathroom. Okay. So it's, so, uh, and, then, and then Evelyn, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to tell him, here, that's your table. Get what you want. That's your, and the rest of it's coming here. So there might be some nice stuff here, actually, because if they don't come get it. But um, we're going we're gonna to bring what we have, and then... Um, you guys do the same Friday, and please, Saturday, we need your help. As many people as we have here, the better, so you can walk around, and they'll have a bag, an invitation in the bag to all our services, and they can fill up the bag with clothing, and then if they want one big item, they can have that, so we don't have somebody pull up with a truck and say, it's free, we'll take it all, you know? We want to make sure everybody gets something, and uh, if, if, if you send them to me to ask permission, they're gonna, I'm going to let them have it. <laughs> That's just the way it is. My, they, we, I'm not good at a garage sale. My, we have garage sales at the house. My wife does it because if I'm out there, say, oh, you're going to have that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I end up giving it all away and we don't make any money. But, um, but this is great. This is my, 
our first outreach, I think, of this year. So we want to we wanna definitely be part of that. And uh, we're going to have several more as the year goes on, our picnic and, and uh, our Christmas parade and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. You guys ready? James part, uh, part 2, listening and doing, or hearing and doing, a blueprint for making faith work. So the book of James is basically a blueprint to make faith work. And as we learned last week about trials and temptations, we were like, well, what does a trial and temptation have to do with our faith? It builds our faith. He molds us through those trials, right, so that we can be strong enough to handle the temptations. If you want to hear that, you can listen to it. It's already on our Facebook, YouTube page, and our app. And you can go on there and listen to last week's uh, James Part 1. So James is uh, one of the most practical books in the New Testament. Uh, some theologians have called it the Proverbs of the New Testament. And uh, James, this James is Jesus' brother. Uh, I like the way he starts. I'm not going to read it today, but in James 1.1, he says, uh, uh, when he introduces himself, he introduces himself as a servant of God, not Jesus' brother. Now, if you were Jesus' sibling, wouldn't you use that? Yeah. Wouldn't you say, hey, I'm the brother of, of the guy that, Died and resurrected three days later. <laughs> right? I'm the one, you know, when he hung on that cross and, and the earth shook and the dead people came out of their graves, that's my bro. <laughs> yeah, like, like for real, real bro. Not like, like my bro, bro, but my, you know, my, you know, not my, my blood bro, my bro. Right? Like in Hawaii, they, they say bro. Right? Bro. Hey, bro. So, um, he didn't introduce himself that way. He introduced himself as a servant of God, which seemed to me more important than just being the brother of Jesus, right? So James chapter 1, we're going to pick up on verse 22 through 25. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So deception is merely uh, listening to the word or reading the word, and deception is when you don't do it. Think about it that way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does that mean? Do what it says. So you're not deceiving yourself if you do what it says, but you are deceiving yourself if you don't do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but what? Doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Don't you get an, uh, like a feel like it's almost like a proverb, right? If you do this, it's what you get. If you don't do this, you, you know, the way that, that, that James writes like that. But who looks into the mirror and then you forget what you look like? Some of us want to, right? Um, or you look in the mirror and you go, whoa, who's that? You don't do that. You know what you look like, right? You don't look in the mirror and forget who you are. When you wake up and you look in the mirror, you might go, oh, and be a little shocked, but, but you still know that's you. <laughs> See, some people can quote scriptures up and down. The question is, are they actually doing it? Do they live the word? Do they do the word? It's better to know less and do more than to know more and do less. If you know more than what you're doing, then catch up with your doing, and then we'll learn some more. 
If you know more than what you're doing, then do more, and then we'll learn more afterwards. God's word is not a suggestion, but a way of life. And a way of life has to be lived. See, God's word is not just something, you know, uh, sometimes you guys, I'm, I'm pretty open about my, my driving around here, so you guys already know. But sometimes you get behind, you never notice that people <laughs> that drive really, really slow, like really below the speed limit, they run stop signs. So now they, they're, they're really slow, but yet they just, they don't stop. They just keep going right through the stop sign. It's like, you're being so careful to go 10, 15 miles under the speed limit, but then you run right through the stop sign. And then in my head, and sometimes out loud, you ever talk to yourself? Don't leave me by myself here. Thank you. You, you know, you talk to yourself, you say, well, it's, it, the stop sign is, is just a, a suggestion. That's what I say. Like, they can hear me. You know the stop sign is just a, a suggestion. They can't hear me, right? You almost wish they could, like you had a little microphone. We should do that. Like put a speaker on the front of our car. The stop sign's not just a suggestion. <laughs> I know. You sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait, and then they turn and say, I could have gone. If you would have shot me the blinker, I would have gone. Now I'm getting frustrated. I need prayer. God's word is not just a suggestion. It's a way of life. You live it out. If you could grasp the spiritual concept of the word, man, the word is not just something that you place into your brain, because that's just knowledge. Do you know that the, the, the devil used the word? Because he knows the word. He used it to tempt Jesus. So it's not just something that you, you have to, it has to go into your heart. And when it's part of who you are, it becomes who you are. Let me say that again. It's not just part of who you are. It becomes who you are. The word uh, became, right? The, uh, it was flesh and the word became flesh, right? The word became flesh. In Jesus, they called him the word. He was there at the beginning when they created the heavens and the earth. They were created in their image. It doesn't say his. It says there because there was three of them, the Trinity in one. So he was there at creation. What was he? He was the word. And the word became flesh. That same word cannot do something different when it becomes part of who you are. Yeah. If you become the word. Wow. If you do it. Yeah. If you do it. Now you can have knowledge of the word, but if it doesn't get into you, when you become the word, you don't have to go quoting scripture to people. Right. You don't have to go and say, well, you know that uh, you know the Bible says... Right? People who don't go to the gym. Well, the Bible says that exercise profiteth little. Come on, we can use scripture any way you want, man. You know that. You can Listen, it's been done over thousands of years. You can create any doctrine you want. You could, because you're using this. But when the word becomes part of who you are, it can't be anything else but the word. It can't be any other doctrine. It can't be any other teaching. It can't be any other translation or theological explanation of the times. It can't be anything else but the word. Because you, that's who you become. It becomes part of who you are. It's not a suggestion, but a way of life. One time I had a conversation with someone here. And they were living a certain lifestyle and 
And, and I told them they were welcome to come, and, you know, and, and they came for a little while. And one time I said something from the pulpit, and you know, I, don't, I don't water anything down. I, at the same time, I don't use the word as a, you know, as a shotgun and try to blow people's head off with it. But uh, you know, I, I, I said something here about a certain way of life and, and that it's not godly, and that's just what the Bible teaches. You guys with me? I don't have to go into detail, right? So the person came up and said, well, you interpret the Bible different than I do. And I said, you're right. And he thought we were going to get into some kind of discussion <laughs> or argument. And he looked at me funny, and I was like, you're absolutely right. You interpret the Bible to fit your lifestyle. I interpret the Bible to change mine. That's where it's different. Now, you've made that choice to do that, and that's okay. But I'm not going to lean over onto your side because this is what I believe. And I thought I was loving and everybody, he never came back. But, and it wasn't my intention. I wasn't trying to be mean. He was still welcome here, but I, I'm not going to water it down. Another couple on the other side um, came and they came for a long time. And one of them asked me if they were going to go to hell for this lifestyle. I said, listen, I'm not God. I can't, I can't send you to but I can tell you what the word says, yeah. that sin separates you from God and separation from God is death because wherever there is no life and God is life, then there's the only other thing is death. There's no half, I'm half dead. It doesn't exist. You're either dead, you know, I'm half pregnant. No, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. You can't, you either you are or you're not. You know what I'm saying? So when I, I told them, I said, but wait a minute. And I was standing right at that door and then people were fellowshipping and I said, look across the room said, everyone there is probably dealing, maybe not everyone, but most people here are dealing with something. And they have a sin in their life that they're wanting to get rid of. You just, you just have, yours is kind of on the outside. You can just tell what yours is. That's the only difference. I said, there's people in this room that are living together and they're not married. They're living in sin. Are they welcome here? Absolutely. Do we love them? Yes. Do we treat them differently than anybody else? No. No, it's not my job to judge. Yep. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through the giving of my life. Those who do not believe are condemned already. You condemn yourself by not believing. And how do you believe? Through the word. Yes. Not knowing it, but doing it, right? We need to be careful not to use the word to give us our do's and don'ts. That's religion, right? Religion says religion binds you, yeah. right? So we don't want a list of do's and don'ts. I want to serve God because I love him. Yeah. I don't want to do the word because I have to. I want to do the word because I love him. Yeah. Those of you who, it says, if you love God, then you will do what he says. Yeah. Not you do what he says to be able to love God. You understand? I do what he says because I love him already. And he loved me first. I don't do it to show him my love. He already loved me. God's word is not a preference, but a conviction. Some of this, is, I believe, is in your notes. God's word is not a preference, but a conviction. A conviction is a firmly held belief. A firmly held belief is one definition. Conviction is also being found guilty of a crime. When I read that, I was like, is there enough evidence for you to be found guilty to be a Christian that does his word? Yeah. 
would I be convicted? If I was on trial for being a Christian, would, I, would there be enough evidence to convict me? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, how do you find evidence to be convicted of being a, a, a man or a woman of God? Let's not even use the word Christian because it, it entails some type of religious, right? But just a, a son or a daughter of God or a man or a woman of God that follows him and does his word. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Speaking to the Jews. For this people's heart has become calloused. You know, calluses, right? These people's heart has become hard, has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, repent. That's the same word for repent. And turn, and I would heal them. I want God to heal me, Lord. Lord, I need your healing in my body, in my mind, in my soul. Lord, your word says, yes, his word, that there's promises for healing. By the stripes of Jesus, we are already healed. We believe in healing. We believe in signs and wonders here. We also believe that we play a part. We do play a part in this kingdom life. You know your hearts are callous when God keeps telling you the same thing he was telling you last year, but you're still dealing with it today. You've come and you heard a word and said, man, I really got to change that. You know, this way I'm feeling or this person that I'm holding on to or this unforgiveness or this bitterness, or I got to do something with this. And then next year you're, you're dealing with it again and you're dealing with it again and you're dealing with it again. You haven't let it go. You know how you do that? the word it renews your mind you know when we put our kids in christian school erica went to school till like second grade uh, public school we thought it was a good school and it wasn't and uh, we had an issue and we ended up pulling her out of school and uh in miami and then uh she ended up in public school and our kids in public school in oklahoma in broken arrow when we were going to uh bible school but the schools there that it's like they're like christian schools Teachers pray with them, and they teach them about God and creation and all that in public school. I mean, it's, it's, they say that the Bible Belt runs through there, and, and then Oklahoma is the, is the, the buckle, right? So, uh, so the school, so we put them in a public school there while I was going to Bible school, and, and they were in there for about three years or so. Ricky was still in, my wife had a, a, a daycare and a, and a small school there uh, in Oklahoma, and she taught him, but then when we moved here, we were able, at Rock Church, they were able to go to school. Ricky started kindergarten in Rock Church and finished all the way through his senior year at the same Christian school. And when people found out that we were doing that, they were like, well, you're brainwashing your kids. And I said, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. You figured it out. <laughs> right? What happens when I send them to public school? They brainwash them. Right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to choose which one I want my child brainwashed by because that's what they're doing. They're, they're putting in stuff into their brain that becomes part of their heart and it becomes part of who they are. And, and, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying that's the choice we made with our kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
You look into the mirror, but you don't see what others see. You disobey your parents, your pastor, your loved ones, because you have become calloused and cannot see the truth anymore. It is only the truth that can set you free. And if the word is the word, and it's the same word for everyone, then why is it that you're the only one that knows? I'll let that sit for a minute. Your pastor tells you something. Your, your life group leader tells you something. Your elders say something to you, and you ask these questions, and you go around, and you ask, and everyone that's in the same word is giving you the same answer, but you don't like that answer. So you find somebody that's going to give you an answer that corresponds with what you want. And, that, and then you go live that out, and that's not even really the word. I know it's uncomfortable. I know. I still deal with things I'm like, Lord, man, sometimes, you know, I do good for a long time, and then all of a sudden I say, Lord, how could you even use me? How could you call me into five-fold ministry? I, and then I start thinking about Matthew and, and Paul and Peter, and I'm going to mention some of the Old Testament characters because they had a character, <laughs> right? I was like, if God can use these people, oof, I'm 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 okay. I still need to change, but I look at myself in the mirror, and I know what I'm looking at. Luke 14, verses 16 through 23. This is a, a response uh, to questions that were being asked to Jesus. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come. For everyone, everything is now ready. But they, all alike, began to make excuses. The first said, can I say honorable excuses? The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. See, the same invitation was given to all these people, but many of them had an honorable excuse. They weren't, they weren't bad excuses, but they had, it was honorable, actually. We're going to read another scripture that talks about honorable excuses. They were kind of honorable. It's like, okay, you know, I understand. This guy just got married. I can't come. But the same invitation was given to all. And when he's talking about those that he was inviting, that those that were prominent people in the area, most of those were Jews, people of money, people who followed the law. But then he said, you know what? We tried getting those in here. Let's just go after everybody. 
But we have to be those that listen and do. See, when God calls you, it's yes, Lord. You can't say no, Lord, because he, he ceases to be Lord. You understand that? If you say no, he's no longer your Lord. You can't say no. If he's Lord, it's always yes. Listen and do. You know, this story says that he is ready now. In Luke 14, 17, it says, At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. Who's not ready? We're the ones that are not ready, right? The banquet is ready. The invitation has been made. And we want to make an excuse that we're not ready. He invited us just as you are. You know, I always say this. That's how I got saved. Somebody told me he loves you just like you are. And I gave my life to the Lord because I was a bad person at the time. And then he showed me that he loved me so much that he wasn't going to leave me like that. So it's not that you have to change to come to God. You come to God as you are because you can't change without him. You try to change, I, I got things I got to change before I come to church. No. You're going to change, if you could change those things and then come to church, you won't want to come to church because you're going to see people in the church that need to change those things too. <laughs> you go, I did all that work and came here and they're all a bunch of mess. <laughs> right? You come here. You get around, a, 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 you, you become part of the body of Christ. You become part of being taught and being counseled and being helped. He is ready now. When, when is the best time to do the word? When you hear it. Are you hearing? Yeah. Now. It almost seems like God is impatient, but the fact is he wants you experiencing his freedom, his promises, his peace, his joy right now. Yeah. And all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. I don't get it all right all the time. I hear the word and I teach it and you know, I was talking to, I think it was at, at uh, Disciples, the, the Fishers of Men Discipleship Group. It's a great group. Dan was sharing that. He goes, I love this because everybody gets to share. And in some places you go and the pastor's the only one that shares. He's the only one that teaches. Nobody else gets to say anything. All right, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Now, I'm a member of this church, but I have a five-fold ministry calling. And God has put me here as the pastor. So I understand that and I take that responsibility, uh, you know, seriously. But when we have the, the best thing I'm doing right now is that class. Because we sit in a circle and we all come in with our, with our notes and stuff and we say, well, this is what I see. And look at this commentary and look at what. And I'm learning as they're learning. It's great. I'm having such a great time back there enjoying that. But we said something, said, you know, uh, 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 the pastor is the one that teaches. said, no, that's not how that works. Because I don't have the only truth. Oof. There has been in, in the history of Christianity people who have stood up and said that they have the only truth. Ooh-wee. That is dangerous ground. There's no better place to live than in his perfect will, and his perfect will is the word. There's mercy for his permissive will. You want to live in his permissive will? There's mercy and grace for that. But why would you want to go there? I want to live in his perfect will. And there's been moments in our life, like long-standing moments, where, where we knew we were in his perfect will, where doors were like opening up and blessings were coming and people were calling prophetic words into our lives. And, and we were like, wow, man, I want to ride this wave as long as I can. 
This is like, man. We were in his perfect will. How do you get there? By doing the word. Doing the word. Listen and obey with no excuse, Luke 14, 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The minute you start to make an excuse, the minute you start to say, I'm not capable of doing that, but you don't understand. God and I kind of have a deal. God understands my life. Oh, man, those are just so dangerous. He knows. Just because he knows doesn't mean he approves. He knows. Yeah, he does know. And he wants you to, to change. He wants you to be a doer of the word. Listen and obey with no excuse. Luke 9, 57 through 62. We're going to just read through this and keep going. This is another portion of Scripture that talks about honorable excuses. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. His father was still alive, by the way. What he says, he says, let me go wait until my dad dies, and then I'll bury him, and then I'll follow you. Not that his dad was dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I remember in our youth group in Miami and uh, uh, these young teenage, there was just such a move of God. People were getting saved and there was, the gospel was just easy to preach. This was um, early 90s. Gospel was just easy to preach. People were getting, and the young were getting saved. We had a huge youth group and children's ministry and my dad was a youth pastor. I was the children's pastor. And, and the church was thriving through these two ministries. And, you know, times have changed. But uh, uh, we, we had one particular gentleman that just, gentleman, he was a teenager. He got saved and so radically saved that he would go out and preach the gospel. And people would just get saved on the street. I remember one time being with him and he was preaching to this guy that was drunk out of his mind, I mean, slurring his words and barely standing, and he began to preach the gospel to him, and the guy sobered up, miraculously just sobered up, stopped slurring, got on his knees, cried, gave his life to the Lord right there on the sidewalk, uh, you know, uh, uh, near these clubs in these places that we used to go. And then this young man turned 18 and said, you know, I'm kind of young for this, and he made an excuse, and he says, I want to enjoy life a little bit before I continue in this Christianity. He came back to the Lord in his late 40s. Jail, drugs, all kinds, I mean, you could name it, all kinds of stuff. He made an honorable excuse. And anybody would have said, yeah, you're young. Go ahead. Sow your oats. Don't we have that saying? Let them go have fun. Let them experience the world. And then when they come back, that's not biblical at all. And in some places, they believe that, that their kids have to go out and experience the world before they can come back and be real Christians. That's baloney. 
That's a lie from the enemy. Now that happens, but that doesn't mean that has to be the way it happens. The heroes of faith did not make excuses. And they had plenty of reasons and excuses. David committed adultery and covered it up with murder and was still called a man after God's own heart. What? He could have said, God, no, not me. I'm, I'm a murderer. An adult, I committed adultery and I committed murder to cover it up. You're going to choose me? Moses. If Moses would have made an excuse, he would have came down with nine commandments. Think about it. It wouldn't have been ten. It would have been nine. Because he read them. I'm sure he read them. Come on. Don't you? Would you have read them? Yeah. Right? If it was in an envelope, you would have went, ah, and tried to, ah, before you brought them down and opened it in front of everybody. Because now you're going to open it in front of all these people. You're going to read something you didn't even know what it was. So he read those commandments. They were on tablets. And one of them is, thou shalt not murder. And he killed an Egyptian with a knife in the name of God. And he missed it. Totally missed it. And he knew that he missed it. Yet he brought all 10 of those down. He could have had an excuse. Lazarus was dead for three days. Listen, there is no bigger honorable excuse than I'm dead. I can't serve God. I'm dead. <laughs> Yet he resurrected from the dead and served the Lord the rest of his years. Come on. That man had an excuse. Here's something you may not have known. Isaiah preached naked for three years. Everyone else probably had an excuse. I ain't going to go hear that guy preach. Or almost naked. Didn't have much clothes. He had an excuse. See, during these times when you're invited to eat at the table with someone and you refused... It was considered a major insult. They were insulting this man by not showing up and having these excuses. See, there's pressures of life in this world, but God is inviting you to listen and obey. His word <coughs> is something that you can sit and eat with him, right? The word is nourishing to your spirit. When Jesus was preaching the gospel and he tells the lady at the, at the well and they come back with, with food and he says, no, 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 I have food that you know not of. He says, what are you eating? Who brought you food? I'm preaching the gospel to this lady and she's going to go into the city of Sychar and she's going to get everybody and they're going to come here and they're going to all get saved. Forget that hamburger you got in your hand. You know, telling him you just got a boat and you have to go try it out. Don't hate me, okay? Say, I won't hate you. All right, now you got to keep your promise. <laughs> there was a time, <laughs> it was a try. Who gave me five minutes, right? <laughs> there was a time where sports never happened on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. You guys, remember that? They would not have practice for basketball, baseball, and they would not do it on Wednesday night or Sunday morning because people would not show up. Yeah. My son was part of a, 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 the, the PAL League in basketball. He played a lot of basketball. He was pretty good at it. 
He was extremely good at soccer, but never wanted to. He could have got a scholarship and, and been famous like Ronaldo or something. But he was really, really good. But anyway, he wanted to play basketball, and we, we put him in the league and all that. And whenever they had stuff on Wednesday night, we told him he's not going to come. He won't play. He'll be there on the bench. But he, when, the, when the game starts, as long as it's not on a Wednesday, or some, and then in some cases, when we had youth group, youth group was on Wednesday too, right, was it? So it, it didn't really interfere. But when they started making that change, we were like, no. You're not going to quit, but at the same time, you're not gonna, we're not going to miss church for you to go to a sporting event. Nowadays, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to move on because I'm making people uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable making you uncomfortable, but if the Holy Spirit is telling me to say this, to be doers of the word, right? When your child grows up, and they're in the middle of a, they're married, they got kids of their own, and they're in the middle of something really dark. Something's happening, there's a divorce, there's, you know, they're struggling on uh, 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 alcoholism or whatever, you're not going to go tell them, go outside and throw a ball. You're not going to go tell them, go shoot the hoop. You'll be fine after you shoot hoop for an hour. You're going to tell them, do the word. Love your wife like Christ loved the church that he gave his life for it. Do the word. Financial issues and difficulties, give, tithe. When you give, you receive. That's how, that's how that works. You, you can't, if that's not part of who they are, you can't tell them that. They won't understand it. You still love me? Remember how desperate we are? How many of you have ever been desperate? Luke 14, 21, the servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I've been all those. Maybe not naturally, but I've been all those spiritually. I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> right? When I got saved, man, that's how I felt. I felt like my eyes had opened up. Have I been crippled? Yes. My sin and, 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 the, and my bitterness and things in my life have kept me crippled. Have I been poor? Poor in spirit? Poor in soul? Poor in finances? <laughs> yes, I've been all those things. How do I get out of those things? I accept the invitation to do what he says. Remember how much he loves you? Luke 14, 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come so that my house will be full. Go out, get the homeless, get, get anybody, anybody who will be willing to come, just compel them, compel them, compel them. Why? Because I love them. I have all this, you know, it's, it's like setting up a, a, a wedding and you, you, you already paid for 300 people to eat and you only got 150 coming. What do you do with all that food? I want, to, I want to invite people to eat, right? right? Let's get people in here to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, he loves you. No matter what you have done or where you have been, he is compelling you to come to the table. He is compelling you to listen and do what he says. Don't lose sight of the big picture. God wants his house to be full. Compel them because I love them and fill my house with the lost. The big picture is not in all those excuses, but in the listening and the doing his word by winning souls. How does this look like from heaven? 
the big picture. Oh, I want my people to have nice houses, and I want my people to have big cars and expensive boats, and I want them to have money in the bank and wear Rolex watches and alligator skin boots, and I want my... You think God's up there worried about that stuff? His only begotten son, Jesus Christ, came to earth and had nowhere to lay his head. What was he concerned about? The fact that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was preaching the gospel to get them ready for when he went away, they could have that same power and do the things that he did and even greater. Well, that's what he was doing. He was being an example. These things that you see me do, you're going to do them. And you're going to do even greater than this. I'm ready for the greater. Hmm. Nothing more fulfilling than leading somebody to the Lord. That's why we're still here. We're not here to get rich. Oh, it would be a good testimony if we have a lot of money. No, people with a lot of money aren't always a good testimony. <laughs> and there's people with a lot of money that, that, that don't even believe in God, that are atheists. That ain't it. We've missed the boat there with that teaching. I'm just going to read these scriptures, and they're going to... Min- I, I could have just read this in the message, and, and we could have ended the service. But I'm going to read these scriptures, and then towards the end, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and, and we're going to ask you to, to do something. <laughs> right? How can we preach something and not ask you to do something, right? Because we're preaching the, the hear and do. James 1, 22 through 25 in the message. And those of you that are part of the uh, uh, Fishers of Men Discipleship Group are very excited to hear this. We end our, we always end in there reading these, and they're, they're really, some of them are right on, some of them are off, but they're still worth reading. <laughs> By the way, the Message Bible is a paraphrase, it's not a translation. Be very careful how you read it. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they even look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or a woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. <clears throat> it's the action that brings the blessing. <laughs> I know. We're all thinking different things, and some of us have been Christians long enough to know if I confess something long enough, it's going to happen. <sighs> true, but not true. The Word of God is not a bunch of little scriptures or a bunch of little sermons put together. When we, the first thing they teach you in Bible school is this is not a book of sermons. Right. And that's how we treat it. And sometimes we read stuff and say, well, what does this mean? Read it in context. Sometimes I don't know the answer, and I just say, read it in context. And then they come back and go, oh, wow, yeah, I got it now. It's a tapestry. It's not a quilt. It's not a bunch of little pieces put together. A tapestry runs together all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So you can't pull one thing out and say, I'm going to live like that. No, I'm going to live like this. Not just one page. You'll miss it. You'll miss it. You have to be a doer of the word. Then, yes, you can confess things and 
call things into. Why? Because you're doing the word. Not just because you said it. <laughs> That's right. It's not an abracadabra. Matthew 7, 24 through 29 in the New International Version. Therefore, if everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which we just covered in uh, Wednesday night this last week. Therefore, if anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a man who built his house on the rock. This is lowercase r, by the way, and we like to, you know, Jesus was called the rock at one point, but this is not the same. They're not using the rock as Jesus in this one. They're just using it as a firm foundation. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does, put, does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell, and it's, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. At his teaching. Why? Listen, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Now, you guys understand the first, but these last two scriptures of this Sermon on the Mount are, this, this just blew me away this week. This was like my enlightenment this week because I learned something all, I'm constantly learning. We should all be like that. We should learn, but we should be constantly trying to put it into practice. What he's saying here is that these people of authority were teaching them the law, but they weren't living it. And he became a person of authority. Why? Because he was living the word. <laughs> Listen to this in the message. <laughs> these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They're foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed on the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter. I'm just reading. A stupid <laughs> carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm, the same storm rolled in. So the doer and the non-doer gets the same storm. They get the same rivers. They get the same tornado. They all get the same thing. Rolled in and the waves came up. It collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. All right, I give you a chance. They had never, <laughs> they had, <laughs> they had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. He was a contrast to the other teachers. Why? Because he was living what he was teaching. See, the world doesn't need us quoting scriptures at them anymore. They need real-life Christians walking out the word and doing their best. And if you trip and fall, somebody says, you know, I want to preach the gospel to the people at work, but I don't know because, you know, sometimes I mess up and I cuss or I say something. I said, that's what repentance is for. My children learn repentance through me. 
I got on my knees after six months of being in Bible school. The word was changing me so much that I began to reveal to me what a terrible husband and father that I was prior to that. Maybe not terrible, but I wasn't as good. Maybe not as good. I just wasn't, you know, I'm trying to find honorable excuses there. I, I went too far, and then I'm trying to back up now, and I can't. But I got on my knees in my house and I told my wife and my kids, I am sorry for not being the man that I should have been, for not being the husband and the father that I should have been, that I wasn't living out this word. I'm sorry that I neglected you guys and that I, you know, and I asked for forgiveness. And people would say, well, that's a sign of weakness. No, it's not. There was more power in me doing that than me standing there saying, I'm the father, you do as I say, because I said so. How about, you do as I say because I do so? Ah, a little different, isn't it? It's easier to do something somebody's telling you if they're willing to do it themselves. Why do you, you know, people who are successful in owning businesses usually started at the bottom. There are those that threw out the garbage, that cleaned, that they were the ones that, that, that did all the, 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 you know, the peon stuff and moved their way up because now they understand those that they're hiring. And they can say, I know what you're doing because I've done that. Yeah, yeah. I've thrown out the garbage. I've laid bricks. I've done this. I've done the other. I did everything, worked my way up, and I know what it takes to do what you do. Do you need help? I'll be glad to help you. That was the greatest thing I ever did in my business. And people ask me, uh, Xerox would call me and say, what is it that you're doing that your, your, your employees are so good in our, our customers' offices and everything else? And I was like, they, they're like that because I'm willing to go and fix a copier just like them. I'm willing to go and talk to a, an irate customer just like them. When they need help in the afternoon, or I'll call somebody and say, I know it's five and you're supposed to go home, but can you go see this customer? And they say, no, really, i got to go home. My wife's expecting me, the kids, or somebody's birthday. Okay, I'll go do it. And they say, what? I'll go do the call. They need us there today. I'll go do it. And then I would go and do the call. I was like, but you're the owner. You're the boss. I said, yeah, but I know how to fix a copier because I used to fix copiers. <laughs> now I'm the owner, but I still know how to do this. And my people did exactly as I told them to do. Always. Why? Because I was willing to do it myself. I was living something, and I was being an example to them. See, the world is looking for genuine. And I don't think we're giving them genuine enough. But what's awesome is God turns it around <laughs> and allows us to live out what we know. Many of you have been Christians a long, long time, and you know that you're not living out everything you know. If somebody behaved the way that you did, you would say a certain scripture to that person. You would have the answer. But are you applying that to your own life? That's how you become authoritative, by submitting yourself to the same word that you're wanting to give to someone else. Isn't that awesome? Be a doer of the word. Not just to hear. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. If you would dim the lights. And I know, you know, I always give an opportunity, not always, but most of the time I look around the room and I ask if anybody wants to begin this walk with God. And many of us have surrendered our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And basically all that is, you know, we have this, we call it the, the sinner's prayer or we, you know, uh, none of that's really biblical, by the way. Uh, you, you know how Jesus got people to follow him? He said, follow me. <laughs> there wasn't like a special anything. He just said, follow me. And they gave up everything. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. 
Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.